Welcome back to the Six Pennies Podcast. Today is Saturday, September 8th. We're probably not going to publish this until Monday or Tuesday after the first week of the NFL season. But we have a special guest for you guys today. It's my friend Benny Huang. What's up, Benny? Hey, what's up, Davi? Why do I even have you on this podcast? What What are we going to talk about today? You asked me for suggestions for topics and uh, been uh, following the pod for a while, but we're going to talk about esports today. Oh, esports. So not sports, but esports. Uh, yeah, so we went to a wedding last weekend up in the DC, Baltimore area and yeah. just talked about, you know, podcast ideas. And I was like, anytime, man, come over. So Benny came over. It's Saturday. It's rainy outside. So we really can't do anything other than record podcasts. I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump right into it. Sounds good. Um, so Benny, tell me about, I guess, your background. Um, you currently live in Dallas. What do you do? Where were yeah. you before that and all, all of it? All right. So uh, I grew up in Houston. Um, I went to UT Austin, like uh, a lot Hook of the guys, on. and uh, I majored in aerospace engineering, but uh, I got a job uh, in marketing after I graduated and I moved to Dallas where I've been for about the last six years, six and a half it's years. It's been six so, years already. Yeah, it's been wow. that long. Um, so entered college in 08, just missed uh, the six pennies. I think you guys all graduated by then. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, I grew up playing video games, so I've um, been following the esports scene for, for a little bit. Uh, big fan of traditional sports as well, and you know, uh, I always listen, tune in for those podcasts, but uh, super excited to be talking about uh, esports. Yeah, today. yeah, I'm excited to learn about it. I know Mark Cuban and the Mavs have a really big gaming uh, company, if you will, or team, uh, so we can dive into that, but... So you've been in Dallas now for six six plus years. How do you feel about Dallas? Are you going to move back to Houston, or is it? Or once you hit Dallas, you can't go back. <laughs> this is a very loaded question. I think uh, people are going to judge me based on my response, but I had to ask. Uh, you know, Houston's uh, always home for me. But even, you know, even though my parents don't live there anymore, I don't really have any family members there. But I, you know, grew up there, so that's always a possibility. But um, you know, as much hate as Dallas sometimes gets from Houstonians, I, I find it fine living here. Uh, I got nothing really bad to say about Dallas, to be honest. So, uh, not sure what's in the long-term future, but um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be back in Houston, but I'll, I'll, I'll be in Dallas for the time being. Okay. Yeah. What part of Houston did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in Stafford, which is uh, pretty close by Sugar Land. Okay. Um, went to a pretty small school there, Stafford. It's a K through twelve school, so it's kind of weird. But uh, I know, yeah, going uh, growing up in the same church as as Mock, um, nice. have a lot of Sugarland. You know, a lot of people in Sugarland and that area. So six penny shout out, nice. Yeah. Um, and then give us a little little insight to how your time was in Austin at UT. College was obviously for most people, you know, a very transformative time. Uh, I mean, I definitely enjoyed myself. Didn't end up. Going into a career that uh, is what I majored in, but I think that's a lot of people. When you uh, say enjoy yourself, what is that like? Thirty six every Friday <laughs> night, or what do you? No, mean? no, 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 not that crazy, not that crazy. Um, just gained a lot of new friends through uh, university, um, you know, the college fellowship, and uh, just learned a lot, um, made a lot of new friends, and. Yeah. Uh, for us, it was more a tap house every Friday night, you know, not Dirty Six. I, I, we, not that um, I haven't experienced that, but don't enjoy that as much as, as some people. Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right. Let's go ahead and, and jump into 
I guess, esports. Give me a, you know, like a 60 second summary of what esports is. Like, let's say, you know, an alien okay. just dropped down on okay. Earth today. How would you explain <laughs> what esports is? So esports are just um, competitive. It's competitive gaming. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you have, um, it's, like it's like traditional sports where you have either teams of people competing against each other uh, or individuals competing against each other. And there's, that's dependent on the type of game. But um, esports, you know, started out as just a way for people who love playing video games to test out their skills against each other. And, you know, um, eventually that'll grow into something where people want to monetize and have prizes and make a career out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, obviously back then, video gaming is just considered a hobby. Um, but as people got better and as, you know, more and more people got into it, that type of thing just happens naturally, I think. So um, now... Now it's, you know, like a multi-million or billion-dollar industry. Are these competitions usually across all platforms? Is it just PC? Is it just console? Or how is it usually done? Yeah, so for different games, there will be um, different platforms. And some games go across platforms. But for the most part, competitions are limited to the same platform. Okay. Uh, so you'll have, you know, tournaments for, like, Call of Duty. But obviously playing on a computer is different from playing on your PS4 or Xbox. So if you're a professional Call of Duty player, I mean, most um, play on PC, but uh, they have tournaments and such for like Xbox One Call of Duty players or, or PS4 Call of Duty players. Benny, before we continue, I do have a question I have to ask. Have you been to Tasty Tales before? I have been. Oh, you have? Yeah, nice. I've been to Tasty Tales, yeah. Cool. Uh, speaking of Tasty Tales, they are the sponsor of this episode. Um, I know their owner, Michelle, wanted me to mention that they're going to show all the NFL games there at Tasty Tales. I'm sure they're going to show eSports games too, matches <laughs> if you want to talk about that. Um, but they wanted to highlight that they show every single New Orleans Saints games because they are a New Orleans um, Cajun restaurant. So they are specifically uh, specialized in the New Orleans Saints. Their store hours are Monday to Sunday, 11.30 to 11 p.m., Happy hour is 3 to 7, and then reverse happy hour as well as from 9 to 11. Um, again, that's Tasty Tales in Richardson right there on 75 and Beltline, Spring Valley area, um, right next to Alamo Draft House. So it's a, it's a perfect combo if you want to watch a movie. I think you're watching Searching later tonight, right, Benny? Yeah, and um, I, I live pretty close by the area, so yeah, that Alamo. So uh, yeah, it's a great, great place. Yeah, it's a, it's a great combo to get some food, watch the game, and then catch a movie afterwards. Tasty Tales, store hours 11.30 to 11 p.m. Happy hour 3 to 7. Reverse happy hour 9 to 11. All right, let's dive into esports. Um, what are the most popular games right now? Uh, so the most popular uh, games, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of Fortnite. Mm -hmm. that's, that's huge among the younger crowd. Uh, but in terms of an esports scene, there's not much because it's just... I guess they haven't really organized like a good format for oh, that really? yet. So Fortnite yeah. really hasn't been monetized yet. Yeah, they 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 make money off the game, but in terms of a competitive scene and you know uh, people teams playing against each other and whatnot, mm -hmm. I don't think it's gotten too big yet. Because right now it's all about the streamers and Twitch right. and all that. Right. Um, I know they've had a few tournaments, but I also think the the format of the game doesn't make it conducive True. to like enjoyable viewing uh so that's that's one of the roadblocks in in some games is can i 
can I make a game that's uh, spectators will also enjoy watching? Okay. And um, I don't think Fortnite quite has that appeal. So uh, as far as esports go, I think the biggest uh, games are Counter Strike, League of Legends, and uh, Dota, okay. uh, followed by uh, Overwatch, and then. Uh, after that, there's just a bunch of games where you know you have like fighting games, sports uh, games, sports games uh, with smaller followings. But yeah, because yeah. I mean, if you watch a sports game, it's a, it's almost like watching a real game because the back and right. forth of it, they're real players, real plays, things like that. Yeah, so I I do remember it was a few Fridays ago. I took my parents out to eat at this really nice Italian restaurant. They had ESPN on the screen. Oh yeah, and instead of Sports. It was esports, and I believe it was Overwatch. And it's the, it was I, my I first time. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, it was my first time being exposed to yeah. Overwatch. It is crazy. Like so much stuff is going on. How do you play it? Yourself? Yeah, yeah. I play Overwatch. Um, I'm. Uh, I consider myself pretty good at Overwatch. A couple of us play on PC, and uh, some of us play on on console. So I play both, uh, but more so on PC and. Uh, that weekend, it was the televised grand finals okay. of the Overwatch League, and, and that's uh, a league that uh, Blizzard, or I, I think they're Activision, owned by Activision, have invested millions of dollars in. They've gotten a buy-in from uh, NFL owners like, uh, like Robert Kraft for their franchises, and they're, they're setting up a model where it's similar to traditional sports where their teams are location-based. Uh, because other esports franchises, you, they're not necessarily location based because you can just play from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's all remote. Yeah, so they're trying to model it a little bit similar to traditional sports. And uh, yeah, it's a fast paced, crazy game. I'm sure maybe some of the listeners out there have, have played it. It's a first person shooter with different roles. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very exciting. Um, I like the direction that they've taken it. And mm-hmm. I think. Uh, that was Blizzard actively trying to monetize and make a make a game that could be developed into a, a viable esports franchise. Uh, so when the developers were creating the game, they had this competitive outlook yeah. already during the development. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah, I think they learned from um, some of their previous mistakes. Where uh, I'm sure some of you guys have heard of StarCraft. Mm-hmm. That I know that's a popular game, um, and I played that as well. Uh, they failed. They really failed to monetize the competitive scene for StarCraft, and now it's like a dead game. Well, so I remember, I mean, we'll get back to yeah. your topic, but growing up in high school, yeah. my friends and I, we were very, very obsessed with StarCraft. Yeah. Um, not only the regular, but the Brood War right. version. Um, but I do remember, I guess they didn't really monetize it, but I do remember crazy tournaments, especially in Korea and Germany. Yeah. Um, so I guess they never made it into like a real tournament. Is that what you're saying? Because I, I do remember that there were big matches and they were celebrities in their home country. Oh, oh yeah, no, uh, all that is very true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was huge in Korea. Uh, what I'm saying is Blizzard themselves never actively got involved uh, got in it. it. So they let third party, you know, like these Korean companies and esports things, uh, you know, TV or internet companies monetize those tournaments. Oh, I see. And uh, I think they really failed with once StarCraft Two came out to to do that for their own game. Yeah. And so I think that's what happened with Overwatch. They're saying we want to develop a game kind of like League of Legends did, where they also own their own competitive uh, league, 
and you know they they can monetize that for themselves versus right. uh yeah starcraft huge in korea lots of people got famous from that but it all the money i think pretty much stayed in korea got it instead yeah. of like having a national football league it yeah. was just korean players playing against yeah you know top players in the world got it right. so that overwatch televised grand finale is yeah. what you called it what was the grand prize for the winner how much was the um I think the grand prize was a million split, you know, among the team. Nice. Uh, one or two million. All the players are paid a salary, though. Uh, they sign contracts. Uh, so that's just in addition to what they're already earning. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like bonus money. Um, in terms of prize money, the biggest prize pool for a tournament is in, I believe, in Dota. The International was just played... Uh, I think uh, two weeks ago, okay. the the prize pool for that was I think twenty million dollars. Holy crap, twenty million! So the winner, we were just watching the fin the final of uh, the U.S. Open on TV, um, and the winner there got three point eight million, I think. Um, Osaka did so. Congrats to her. But now we're talking twenty million dollars. That's insane. I don't think people realize how much money is in esports and how much money is in like these teams being developed. Yeah. And that's why you have so many of these well-known, wealthy owners from Robert Kraft to Mark Cuban. Um, even NBA players are getting right. into it as well. So um, outside of Overwatch, what are some other games? You said League of Legends. Um, what are some other games that people should be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, so in addition, League of Legends, Dota. I don't know about upcoming games, but I know there's uh, on TBS, they have the E-League broadcasts. And that showcases, uh, I believe, it, it showcased Counter-Strike, which is, you know, another old-school game that yeah. uh, I'm sure many of you guys listening have played. Um, there's the fighting games, such as uh, Street Fighter and all the iterations of uh, the fighting, that, that game, and uh, all the other different fighting games as well, Super Smash. There's a big, there's a big fighting game tournament scene and, and a big event in, in Vegas every year called Evo, and I think that's been going on for over a decade. Okay. So as, as games continue to crop up and gain new followings, um, the scene will continue to grow and diversify. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, what's up and coming. Uh, I kind of just know what's big right now, and I'm kind of hopeful that Overwatch League will, will continue to grow. It's such a, you know, a legit opportunity because... You know, we're watching right. football on the screen, but they're putting their lives, you know, they're putting their yeah. bodies, their joints on the line right. every single day, practice, things like that. Whereas um, a gamer, it's really like, you know, reaction yeah. time and your eyes right. and stuff like that. So a better longevity. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better longevity. Um, but amazingly, there is a, a peak and decline. I mean, not amazingly, it's not surprising, mm -hmm. but uh, there is, people do have a peak and you know a lot of them are pretty young in terms of reaction times um and then you do decline just like in traditional sports do you decline more because of your own depreciation or do you think the new generation is just better there's yeah there's just an a lot of analogies to to traditional sports but okay. i think uh sometimes strategies change and in, in certain games um you know a patch might roll out and suddenly the the uh, thing that you're best at isn't as good anymore yeah and so that can actually greatly affect uh, an esports career uh where it's kind of like you know if someone changed the rules yeah. in the nfl suddenly and you couldn't uh do something anymore yeah 
or a certain, you know... Like um, if they change the three-pointer to be worth four points, you know, right. centers will be gone. Exactly. Be obsolete. Okay, I gotcha. So let's say we created a team of eSport player, esports players, and you said most of these players are on salary, so yeah. the tournament winnings are kind of like bonuses on top yeah. of the salary. Do they also have the ability to stream themselves and make money individually themselves, or are they contracted... Uh-huh. Um, where they can't really compete with other people like that. I think different leagues have different rules about this. I know I think a lot of league uh, professional players also stream and make money on their own. Okay. Um, I don't, in Overwatch League, it, it's not as encouraged. There was a controversial uh, player uh, on the Dallas Fuel, which is the Dallas Overwatch League team, where he's a very popular streamer, mm-hmm. and he likes to... He's a very talkative guy. He mm-hmm. likes to entertain. And he said some things, controversial statements on stream. And like p- political statements or what? Uh, not political. It was just about other players. Uh, and he's a little bit of an immature guy. I mean, a lot uh, of these guys are a little bit younger, so... Yeah. Um, and basically, Blizzard decided to suspend him for, um, you know, essentially, quote-unquote, conduct detrimental. Wow to the league yeah and he he ended up uh getting he ended up resigning from the league because he, he'd rather just enjoy his time as a streamer and playing so uh i think you know as that as the structure of esports evolves i think that's a legitimate um question of how they should how companies should handle that yeah so i i will admit um i do know a little bit about esports yeah. um not only like growing up i did play a lot of ton of counter-strike like competitively competitively like in tournaments and stuff especially here in in dallas there were a lot of tournaments um with that being said is the counter-strike today like 15 years later (laughs) is it the same is it the same maps the same guns is it yeah terrorists and counter-terrorists is is it the complete same thing or is it it's 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 similar than you think. Yeah. It's still terrorists and counter-terrorists. I don't follow the scene closely myself, but I'll yeah. tune in on Twitch every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, different maps, but uh, players are just so good now, and uh, it's, up, it's, it's kind of the same thing with updated graphics, you know, modern graphics, and, but it's still a team of five guys, five on five. And, uh, I did love the strategy behind Counter-Strike. Yeah. Like I, I've seen people play Fortnite, and then I recently started playing PUBG on my phone. Uh, it's all cool, like, you know, it's a huge world, and you can either play with three other guys or you're playing by yourself, but I don't think anything comes close to or compares to just the strategy involved in those competitive settings with Counter-Strike. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I only knew StarCraft and Counter-Strike. I'm sure it's the same for other games. Um, I do want to shout out uh, my friend Clement Young. He got me to watch this show for two seasons, and it's, uh, I forgot the name of the team. I think it's Team Solo Mid or something. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. Like League yeah, of Legends players. Yeah, yeah. And I literally watched their reality TV shows, TV show for two seasons. <laughs> I followed, like, the main player and his brother and then, like, all the other guys. I was, like, awesome. pretty captivated. And yeah. I was, like, I don't understand how the game works because, mm-hmm. you know, you have three lanes and all that kind of stuff. But um, to me, I was really interested in it. Um, so that's League of Legends. I think it's still one of the most popular, right, in terms of competitive esports. Uh, yeah, yeah, and definitely. So yeah, League of Legends. I have um, a few friends actually that work for Riot. One of them does the uh, sets up the productions for streams, 
And yeah, that's also huge. They uh, they held their their championships, I think, at MS Madison Square Garden wow. MSG uh, either last year or you know, and they're rotating between venues in, in different con- uh, different continents. So yeah, it's huge. Uh, and there's just so many analogies to to regular sports. I mean, there's like team game, team based games where you have to coordinate and strategize, and there's individual games uh, where it's just one on one. You know, like kind of like in tennis. Huge opportunity. I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, like Albie said, I can definitely see why uh, guys like Shaq have invested in yeah. in esports franchises. There's a ton of players that people don't realize, like Shaq, Durant, yeah. Gordon Hayward, just to name a few. Right. Oh, and and you can you can bet on esports, <laughs> just like yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so let's talk about kind of the social aspect or the social connotation mm-hmm. be- behind gaming. Because growing up as kids, especially Asian American right. kids, gaming was looked down upon, especially mm-hmm. by our parents or by yeah. elders, because A, why are you not studying? But B, like you're not learning anything, right? It's it's something that's gonna be I, I don't I don't know the exact analogy that my mom used to tell me, but basically she's like, You're turning your brain into like a vegetable. Yeah. You know, because you're not keeping it sharp, you're not learning anything and doing anything new. So how do you how do you reply to that? That's my first question. And then mm-hmm. my second question is when we were growing up, gaming and staying indoors was considered very, very antisocial. Like mm-hmm. Albert, go outside and play with your friends, right? Yeah. Or Albert, go to the movies, go to right. go eat with your friends. Now Gaming is actually social. It's right. how people talk, how people meet each other. Um, so how and so that second question is, how do you respond to that, and do you think that's going to be the norm moving forward? For the social aspect, I think the uh, the internet definitely changed everything. Uh, games, you know, became multiplayer online uh, versus you know maybe even before the the '90s, it it was you know it was just you by yourself on a in front of a TV. Yeah. So the social aspect, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading things now that say kids are, uh, or parents are hiring ki- uh, Fortnite tutors for their kids. I heard that too. <laughs> because yeah. they don't want their kids to be bad at the game because you could be a, like a social outcast at school. So it's definitely different. Um, I think our parents held that view and it was true to a large extent of their, of their time. I would say, you know, definitely... If you're raising your own kids, I would still try to help them find a balance, hopefully, between yeah. uh, playing video games. But what games if he's really outside. good, man? What if he, he has a future? <laughs> and that, that's the other thing, right? So, yeah, now that esports is a viable career for, for some very talented kids yeah. um, or some kids who really just love playing, uh, as a parent, I think you're going to have to encourage those talents and find a way. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of tough decisions parents have to make, you know, whether a kid is good at baseball or, or League of Legends, it's, you know, how do you help them and do they have a realistic shot of uh, becoming like a professional or even just like a collegiate level player. So the social the social aspect, I think now that you do play games with your friends, um, I don't think it's as much of a worry. I think people view it differently now. And even just in general, I think nerd or geek culture has has. Uh, grown in popularity, people aren't as quick to dismiss it as something that's just antisocial. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know if you watch Stranger Things, you saw them play like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. and now I hear people are like, "Oh, when can I get started on Dungeons and Dragons?" Yeah. And that's like that's like the most nerdy thing you could ever <laughs> have back when I was growing up, right? More so than video games. So I think just 
uh, acceptance of, of the gaming and nerd and geek culture as a whole uh, has also just grown. And so I don't think um, any of that can be really considered antisocial anymore. You bring up a good yeah. point in the, the training space, really, because, for example, let's say um, you wanted your kid to be a really good golfer. You're going to provide the kid all the infrastructure, all the training, all the money, you know, not only the equipment, but the certified instructor or the certified golf pro. Soon you're going to have like legitimate certifications for Fortnite trainers and Fortnite <laughs> leaders and th things like that. So not only are you paying money privately, but a lot of people also don't realize that national universities and institutions now have gaming classes. I remember when I was uh, a really big StarCraft player in the mid-2000s, Cal Berkeley actually had a StarCraft class, and it was like, oh, yeah, out of this world, that. yeah, out of this world, like, what are you doing? But now it's the norm, like, most universities are picking up on this, and you're right, it's becoming a viable profession or a viable training outlet, mm -hmm. out, outlet for these guys and women, and so... I think it's it's crazy how far gaming has gone since, you know, when we were kids. Yeah. But if you had to guess, where do you think this culture, this gaming space is going to go in the next 10 to 15 years from now? So I, I do think we'll see the development of more uh, leagues similar to what League of Legends and Overwatch League have done. So like a little more structure? A little more structure. Uh, in the past, it was just random organizations hosting tournaments, trying to get prize money. You know, players weren't salaried and they had to, you know, like buy their own plane tickets to travel to tournaments to maybe earn a chance at winning money. Yeah. Um, I remember it's really cool when we showed up in tournaments wearing the same hoodies. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this, these guys yeah. are sponsored. They have, you know, patches on their yeah. hoodies. Just having the same uniform was cool, but now it's like to the upteenth degree. Right. Um, so, but I do think one of the challenges is uh, how long can, can a game last? You know, um, like with basketball or football, you know, these sports have been around for over 50 years. Uh, Baseball has been around for over 100 years. And it's, you know, um, a lot of history and tradition. History, tradition. Yeah. Uh, with games, games come and go, you know, um, certain maybe franchises might stick around, you know, like Street Fighter has been around for a while. Uh, and now they're on Street Fighter, like, I don't know, six or something like that. Uh, so maybe certain franchises might stick around and they might keep updating the game if it's profitable and if it has a big following. Um, but I'm not quite sure how people are going to handle, you know, certain games coming and going. For me personally, I think Fortnite is a, is a, is a fad. Uh, I think it'll die off soon. Um, but they're making, you know, tons of money while, while it's popular. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what games stick around after 10, 15 years and, and uh, which continue to develop their own kind of growing scene. I would say yeah. like old games back in the day from Counter-Strike, um, StarCraft, the two we mentioned, but even if you go before that, like EverQuest and things like that, they're actually making a comeback, and I think a lot of it is due to competitive gaming, yeah. and it's getting, you know, the older crowd, the people who have money, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they invest in, like, a PC, and then soon they, they get 10 other guys to invest in their own PC, and now there's a huge following, and I just know that a lot of these games that we grew up in are making a comeback, so... Um, I think gaming is here to stay. I think esports, I agree with you. I think... Um, going to get more structured 
but that also means it's going to get a lot more commercialized, if you will. Yeah. Um, so um, they have to find a good balance because this is a good opportunity for these owners and for these league um, commissioners and things like that to create something from scratch, but to build something that they can um, expand in the future, right? So um, cool. Any yeah. any final any final thoughts there, Benny, or anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I was just gonna say, uh, I'll be shared this uh, picture with me of the uh, the Mavs' new NBA uh, 2K facilities where they they practice. Um, so that just goes to show you they're building physical buildings now, brand new. I think you know Cubans like funding this yeah. um, with their own money to build physical buildings for the players to practice and train in. Um, and so that's that's when you know things are getting really serious and and big money is involved. And on top of that, I know some countries are building dedicated gaming stadiums for oh, people wow. to come and view instead of like going to a Madison Square Garden to watch a League of Legends match. They're going to a New York League of Legends stadium. Wow! Um, and so that's the next step. And I think it's I feel like it's already surpassed at MLS. Yeah. The next thing that is gonna, probably going to be hockey and then. It's going to compete against the, the top three major sports in the U.S. because it's global, right? There's right. money all over the world that is into this. And I think it's also attractive for people because you don't have to be 6'8", 250, right. jump 40 inches and lift 30 times, you know? Yeah. You can just be a regular dude who, exactly. just, who has this talent. So now instead of a pool of 250 people, now you have a pool of 25 million people who can play games right yeah so cool thank you benny um we're probably gonna talk again soon do you know who derek shaw is uh i've i've heard of derek shaw yes <laughs> derek shaw yes uh, i do want to shout out derek shaw and our friends at farmers insurance his number is 214-729-6462 home life and auto insurance um, but the cool thing about derek shaw is that he's super honest so he doesn't care if you sign with them uh, he just wants you to reach out to him and see if he can get a better rate than what you currently have. So, again, that's 214-729-6462. Um, if you mention Six Pennies Podcast, you're going to get a uh, discount. I don't know how much. You'll probably have to talk to Disha and negotiate <laughs> that. Uh, as well as Tasty Tales. If you mention Six Pennies Podcast at Tasty Tales, um, Michelle, the owner there, is going to give you 15% off your entire bill. And that's Derek Shaw, Farmers Insurance, and Casey Tales Richardson. Thanks, guys, for listening. 